you know, there's all kinds of scenes that I respond to in movies. I respond to music sequences. Uh, I respond to big comedy sequences. It was like uh, they galvanized the, the entire theater. Everybody uh, woke up. Everybody got connected. And, you know, and I would go see a, a, a film that had a, a, a sequence like that. I would see it two or three times at the theaters just to see that sequence. And then just to have that experience uh, uh, with an audience. Hello and welcome to another bonus episode of the podcast. This again was originally recorded on our old podcast called My Sailored Heart Podcast and it's from April 9th of 2022 and it's all about the hateful eight and then of course I re-edited it and uh, so I put in that because normally we did uh once Upon a Time in Hollywood at a different time, which you'll hear about on the next and last bonus episode of the Quentin Tarantino movies. There might be other bonus episodes, but I don't know what they'll be. But anyway, thank you, everyone. Hope you enjoy. Here it is. I'm your host, Philip Duke, and I'm here with... It's Cousin Chip. Hello, everybody. That's right. Hello, Chip. How you doing? I'm awake. So, well, that's good. Me too. I need my second cup of coffee, but I'm doing good. Um, here's something cool. So I'm watching, I'm listening to Smartless podcast the other day mm-hmm. and John Hamm was on there. And so they asked John Hamm, like, what was a really, what was your best filming experience that you've ever had? And yeah. he said, filming bad times at the El Royale. He nice. said, he said, I was, he was either tried to do voiceover or was doing voiceover for CW at the time. Mm-hmm. And he said, and there was a guy who like, managed all that and that was drew goddard and he's like and him and i knew each other like we're friends for a long time and he goes then all of a sudden he's making this movie brought me in he goes spoiler alert i die right in the beginning (laughs) but he's like but i got to work with jeff bridges the coolest fucking dude that knows his shit nice um he's like so that was cool he goes it was just a real fun experience so Mm -hmm. you know jason bateman and um what's that other guy's name uh i can't think of Who's the other guy? The guy from the Lego movie. Oh, uh, and Damon. Sean Hayes and, uh, and not Nick. It's uh, uh, Batman. Yeah. <laughs> Damn uh, it. He's in Arrested Development. Um, anyway, people are yelling all, at the. They all do a podcast. I know. And the name is on the tip of my tongue, but I don't want to just have silentness, silence while I'm thinking. Will Arnett. Will. I knew it was Nick or Will. It was something like that. Will Arnett. Yes. So they have a podcast all together. Will Arnett, Sean Hayes, Jason Bateman. And um, they interview uh, celebrities. And a lot of times it's just funny shit. Mm-hmm. Then uh, Brent Dodson, he watched Stagecoach uh, mm-hmm. over the weekend after we put out the show. He's like, I'm going to watch a movie and then I'm going to listen to your show. Um, so I was like, hey, you have something to write about it. He was like, yep. He said, I love Stagecoach. Thanks for recommending it. It's a great movie about classes. It presents those from the upper class and those from the lower class as stereotypes, then subverts those stereotypes. During the events of the film, the characters learn to see each other in a new light and find truths about themselves. Masterfully crafted, it's a great film and it's important to film history. 
aside from the depiction of Native Americans that we know now is wrong, that we now know is wrong, it still holds up five hearts all the way. Sweet. And then our buddy Tim Martin, are you ready for this one? <laughs> yes. Badass. Tim Martin and his team over there, Dark Sales Production, doing the, the short film Sushi. They've entered into a bunch of film festivals and they're mm. fucking killing it. So yes, last sir. Friday, when we put up the show, um, I was like, well, they'll know on Friday about New Jersey. So the yeah. New Jersey Film Awards, they won Best Comedy Short and Best Cinematography for Nick Manciokas. Nice. So Manciokas. Uh, mm -hmm. And at the New York, here's a big one, New mm. York International Film Awards. They ended up winning. Hang on. I got to take a deep breath for this one. It's a lot. <laughs> Best Supporting Actress for Kelly. Best Screenplay for Alex. Best Cinematography for Nick. And Best Sound Design for Braden with an honorable mention for best editing for Arsenio. So nice. that's a New York fucking film festival. Like, that's <laughs> awesome. So congrats to those guys. Um, so, so when he goes on to be like tapped to do a Marvel film, yeah, are, are we going to be in the background getting blown up or something? Yeah. Um, I don't remember. Like we'll if, both be like I, talking I, on like, like we're doing we, a podcast yeah, and also yeah, <laughs> we'll just get killed. <laughs> exactly. We'll, we'll be like, hang on. Somebody's coming through the gate. You know, stop right there. That'll be us. We'll yeah. be the, uh, what was that on stripes? We'll be the uh, Dave. Anyway. Uh, yeah. yeah. Name from, uh, I, I, I weirdly thought of us as kind of like the stupid robots in a Roger Dodger. <laughs> well, that's like, yeah, exactly. Well, that's like um, when, uh, when, um, uh, Edgar Wright did Shaun of the Dead and then George Romero was doing Land of the Dead for his final like zombie movie and he was like you guys want to be in it and they were like yeah so they went and they both were zombies like him and uh, him and um, who's the other guy Chip help me come up with the red haired guy's name from Shaun of the Dead um, Mission Impossible Yes. Uh, He's on my fucking shirt. Here he is, Chip. Tell me who he is. That's awesome. Yeah. I How are you like, we're getting too old where we just I like, our memory so I, is shit. So I have a shirt for the Cornetto trilogy while Chip looks this up and I can see his name. Um, but anyway, um, but it's him from Shaun of the Dead. It's a drawing. Him from Shaun of the Dead painting a picture of looking at a picture from Hot Fuzz. Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg, thank you. And painting the guy from World's End on the canvas. So uh -huh. over here is Hot Fuzz, over here. Anyway, very cool. I'll take a picture, I'll share it with everyone. Um, but yes, I'm thinking, um, so it'll be like that where they'll be invited to them be on something. But also, I don't know if this was off mic or on mic, but um, Moon Knight just came out. And I was telling you, the guys that did synch synchronicity had, you know, working on, you know, they directed either one episode or a couple episodes of Moon Knight. And he uh, got his little kittens. He bought his kittens from them, from that guy mm -hmm. when that guy had him. So from the director of that, he's got those kittens. So that's his connection there. So he can kind of be like something that we were talking about off mic. He could be like, hey you guys i'm here you want me to direct something they'll be like oh sweet come on let's go um, <laughs> that'd be awesome but um but yeah so it's very cool we have no corrections from last week that i can think of wow. yeah 
Although sometimes that I, I'm, that I, well, that I looked for, that I'm, I'm, dri- <laughs> I'm driving in the car on the way to work on Fridays when I listen to it. Mm-hmm. And then I take notes sometimes of like, Oh shit, we got this wrong or that wrong. So did you, so, do you yell at yourself then? No, it's not really yelling. It's more of a like, Oh fuck. That's now oh, okay. when you're not on mic trying to think of the names, you can be yeah. like, it's fucking Simon Pegg and you can write it down. Um, <laughs> So, uh, no, it's things like that where I'm just like, oh, we fucked that up. We said so-and-so or, you know, Uh I said Janet and I meant Jane or whatever. (laughs) So are you ready to get on with the show? I am. Let's do this. All right. From the director of Kill Bill and Django Unchained come seven strangers and one. Good way to get yourself dead. They got a secret. One of y'all ain't who you say that he is. But they didn't count. Do you know who he is? On him. Start to see pictures, ain't you? (laughs) He'll kill everybody in here. Shoot him, stab him, burn him. I never bring him in alive. Never. Never, ever. The Hateful Eight, rated R, December 31st. The Hateful Eight, 2015. The plot in the dead of a Wyoming winter. A bounty hunter and his prisoner find shelter in a cabin currently inhabited by a collection of nefarious characters. Mm-hmm. So what's interesting about this, unlike the other one, well, kind of like the other one, those characters got turned on their head, like Brant said, and they yeah. weren't who you thought. These are people who aren't what they seem, but in a bad way. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. The only truth, I think the only good person that sticks with their conviction, even though he lies, mm-hmm. is maybe Major Marcus Warren and um okay, Major Marcus Warren, the general, and um and the other guy. Um hang on, uh, and Mannix and Chris Mannix. Mm-hmm. I think because they kind of stick to who they are. Like yeah. the general's a racist, he still believes the South should won and that they lost for no reason. Mm-hmm. And Chris Mannix is the same way. He's like, no, you know, and then um, and like, I'm a sheriff and people are like, bullshit. He's like, well, if I could show you um, <laughs> what were you going to say? Well, and as far as Mannix goes, stuff. he was he was very. I don't know, back and forth because of the fact that he was like, OK, I'm this way, but he was kind of admitting I'm this way because of my dad. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, he well, at the end, too, I'm thinking. Uh, well we said spoilers but not but when he's next to a black guy at the end you're yeah. like okay you've formed some kind of bond you know but anyway yeah. okay let's get to the starring stars samuel l jackson is major marcus warren kurt russell is john ruth jennifer jason lee is daisy domergu so daisy she was originally reported to be written for a younger actress Okay. So Amber Tamlin read the part during Tarantino, like he had this Los Angeles County Museum of Art charity read through Mm because the script had been released online. And so he was like, I don't even know if I'll fucking make it now because he shared it with somebody. And then all of a sudden Gawker put it up online. (laughs) Like, here's a whole fucking script. So he's like, fuck it. But then they did a read through. But also uh, Jennifer Lawrence was the name most heavily tied to the role. But uh, neither actress panned out. Ultimately, Tarantino decided to alter the character, making it more appropriate for an older actress, which is so cool. And we've talked about when we did Tarantino before of like Jennifer Jason Lee is the daughter of Vic Morrow, who died Mm -hmm. 
doing Twilight Zone when the helicopter fucking chopped him in half. Him oh, and damn. Kids. I did not and know that. Oh, I thought you knew that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they're filming the Vietnam sequence in Twilight Zone. The sequence well, ends I knew early. That, that happened. I just didn't yeah. know that that was her dad. Oh, her dad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was carrying both of those kids, too. Yeah. So both of those kids and him got fucking chopped up by the blades. Um, but anyway, let's get on to happier stuff. Walton Goggins <laughs> as Sheriff Chris Mannix. Damien Bashir, Bershir, however you say his name. I fucking love this guy. Mexican mm-hmm. Bob, like uh, <laughs> yeah. Tim Roth as Oswaldo Mowbray. English Pete uh, as Mowbray slash English Pete Hickox also. So here's yeah. an interesting thing. The name Hickox proves that the character is related to Lieutenant Archie Hickox, Michael Fassbender, featured prominently in Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards. Uh, in nice. a 2015 interview with Huffington Post, Roth confirmed his character is the great-grandfather of Archie Hickox. <laughs> so nice. So, you know, when they're they're at the at the bar and they're having the King Kong, you know, I'm big and I'm black and I came in chains to America and you're like, oh, shit. And then you're like, oh, it's King Kong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Michael Madsen is Joe Gage. Bruce Dern is General Sandy Smithers and James Parks as OB. (laughs) So that's Michael Parks son. He was also in the Kill Bill movies because Parks came back as uh you know, as the sheriff from from Dust Till Dawn. You know, oh, yeah. Goddamn titty twister. Dude. <laughs> um, uh, Christoph Waltz and Viggo Mortensen were also going to have parts at one point. So I would think Viggo Mortensen might have been the Michael Madsen part, maybe, yeah. but I don't know. And Christoph Waltz, I could see him as Tim Roth. Like when I was watching yeah. Tim Roth, I'm like, I can hear those words coming out of Christoph Waltz's mouth. Yeah. written by quentin tarantino so this part's cool too he began working on a sequel to django unchained but as he kept writing he began to realize the story was actually being held back by the presence of django tarantino then scrapped the initial idea and put samuel l jackson's character in place of jamie fox's django <laughs> so that's cool and i could see that too it'd be overpowering by even though samuel jackson does a fucking great job he almost overpowers the whole thing yeah. Um, also, Tarantino gave it. I said this already, but here we go. Gave a copy of the script to a small number of people in his inner circle, but somehow one of those scripts got leaked. Gawker notoriously posted the full version in and in response and upset and betrayed Tarantino decided not to continue the project and file a lawsuit against the company. However, following a charity reading of the script, Tarantino had a change of heart and reignited plans to film the movie. So sweet. That was that's why now, if uh, I don't think we got into it on our Once Upon a Time in Hollywood episode, but everybody had to come to his house and read mm-hmm. one script. And so, you know, Brad Pitt's like, it's got coffee ring, you know, people put their coffee on. <laughs> it's got all this shit. He Margot Robbie's like, yeah, I went out and sat out on the deck and like read, you know, and everybody had that's to awesome. come over there to read it because he wouldn't send it to them. So that's cool. <laughs> Uh, directed by Quentin Tarantino, in case you didn't know. Mm. So now we're on to recasted, Chip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you ready? I am so ready for this. Okay. I don't know if I did as well as I've done before on this because it was very hard, but I it was it. it was very hard. But I, I I like mine as well. So we did the the normal eight. 
I only added OB into the starring because of James Parks, Michael Parks, uh, like they deserve credit. Mm-hmm. Um, so recast it. I got for major Marcus Warren. I got Idris Elba. Cool. You know him. Okay. Um, Jeff Bridges as John Ruth, the hangman. Sweet. I, I got Christina Ricci as Daisy Domergu. Ooh. It's like, like, I, like in yellow, cool. in yellow jackets, she's like this evil, like woman, mm-hmm. like, and she just does really good. Uh, I got Timothy Oliphant as Chris Mannix. Oh, okay. That works. Yeah, that works. Real well. I got Diego Luna. We talked about him last week as mm-hmm. Marco, the Mexican or senior Bob. I, I, I thought about him for a little uh-huh. bit there. I was so uh-huh. close to putting him in there. <laughs> um, I got. This one was this was the most difficult, but I got Tom Hardy as Pete English Pete Hickox mm-hmm. or Oswaldo Mowbray. Mm-hmm. Okay, this one they kind of went together in the nineties, but Tom Sizemore as Grouch Douglas or Joe Gage. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, uh, which I like. And then of course we talked about him before, Chip. I had to bring him in. F. Murray Abraham as General Sanford, Sandy <laughs> Smithers. Nice. Even though I looked at, I'm like, he was born in Pittsburgh. I'm like, mm-hmm. so he'd more be the North and he wouldn't really be, but I'm like, you know what? I, I like this guy. Like, you know, and he's, he was born in, I forget when, but anyway, I almost put Keith Carradine in there again. I almost brought Keith <laughs> Carradine back and put him in, but nice. I was like, no, this will work. All right, Chip, what do you got? All right. Let's see. Uh, for major Warren, I have Eddie Murphy. Oh, wow. I was thinking Eddie Murphy. And then I thought, I don't know. That's interesting because I totally thought Eddie Murphy was my first thought. Yeah. And I figured I needed somebody that could. That could be on point command command. Yeah. But also at the same time, I needed somebody that you would not expect. But with with that facial hair, if you add the facial hair, the seriousness, it would be very weird. But I kind of have this feeling that Jason Bateman. Ah, yeah. Because he's not that much like older as Jason Bateman. I mean? Jason Bateman for for John Ruth. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. You add the the hair. Yeah. You yeah. Add the, yeah. The you make him, make you him the, older. Yeah. See, you're yeah. making him older. That's kind of good to look at in a way. Yeah. 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 I could see that. All right. Now this one, I don't know why it just it hit me and it had to it, Daisy Domingue. Yep. Leah Thompson. That's that's really cool. Although she's way older, but mm-hmm. but yeah, that's ah oh, that I could see her being yeah, like how she's trashy in Back to the Future 2, and like mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Ah, oh, I could see that. That's cool. Yeah, you I I just like automatically i could see her with the black eye and just yeah getting smacked around and just being like oh like when when i get the chance you're fucking dead (laughs) yeah yeah um for manix i have ethan hawk cool cool that's cool i just watched a thing on criterion of him picking like his favorite movies Mm -hmm. and then they have them so it's really cool but yeah he'd be good he'd be real good he'd almost be could almost have him be John Ruth in a way. Yeah. He's, he's from Texas. He's got that. But but yeah, yeah. But I hear you. But no, he'd be good as Chris Mannix. I just, I, I don't know. I just, I could see him being just kind of really squirrely about 
yeah and just being that character that's kind of all over the life well, yeah. fuck you they'll be like oh Bob, i'm gonna back away uh don't want to <laughs> piss anybody off you know yeah um senior bob i have michael pena oh cool oh that's a good one i didn't even think i had thought diego luna then i almost thought of uh of course my javier bardem because he's such mm-hmm. a great actor but then i'm like nah he's got to be like i want him younger but the mm-hmm. fucking like i said damien bashur fucking with his squint eyed look like he's stoned all the time and he's yep. like yes are you lying are you calling me a liar <laughs> uh, no i didn't say those words okay now i'm calling you a liar oh uh, you yes you know anyway um oswaldo mowbray yes. Hugh grant oh wow yes very good i like mm-hmm. it yes yeah, it was just, I, I kept, I, I thought of Hugh Grant at first, and then as I'm watching the movie, I was like, is this still the right fit? And then the way he was acting, I was like, yeah, yeah, this would work. Well, was- and that's where I think it gets more difficult because these people play their characters so well. Yeah. So you're like, I don't know who could play Tim Roth because he's got one English accent when he's mm-hmm. Oswaldo Mowbray, a different, a dirty British accent when Mm -hmm. he's uh pete hickox and you're like oh shit but also just his presence and did you notice the the voice when he is oswaldo was like his four rooms voice Mm -hmm. like his regular voice um but yeah but okay chip joe gage yeah joe gage i have woody harrelson sweet i like that a lot i love woody harrelson and this one I had that to was, add the long hair to him to really see, you know what yeah. I mean? Like to, to, to have that where he's just flipping his hair and kind of dealing with his hair the way Madsen was. So yeah. I was like, that would work. Yeah. This one was a hard one. Yep. For the general. Uh, but Chip's I went probably, with. Chip's probably got uh, uh, Ricky Schroeder in old <laughs> makeup. Yeah. Oh, I have Gary Oldman. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. I figured I he could think. be intense and I was going for British guys for the British guy and for American guys. I'm going for American guys, and I almost didn't pick F. Murray Abraham because I'm like he's not southern, but I'm like, well, I don't think you know Bruce Stern is either, but you yeah. Know. yeah, but it's that it's a, no, that'd be really good. But it's that thing of these guys are so good in their parts that it <laughs> really has you stymied, you know, because you're like, oh, who would I put? You know. Especially, I told Chip before we started recording, Jennifer Jason Lee should have won a fucking award for this movie. Like, yep. she did so good. And she had been gone. I remember I saw her in a small part in Sam Mendes's Road to Perdition. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, she plays a wife. Wow, cool. I haven't seen her forever. Mm-hmm. And then she, you know, and then she was in this. And then she started being in more things. But it's like, you know, look back to Fast Times at Richmond High and then look at yeah. this and be like, holy shit. Yeah, big, big difference. Well, um, initially, before I went with Leah Thompson, mm-hmm. uh, I was thinking about Mary Stewart Masterson. Well, yeah, I haven't seen. Yeah, what happened to her, too? She, like, dropped away, like, fried yeah. green tomatoes, and then she's gone. And I'm like, wait, where'd she go? Yeah. But that's but it was because that was... of Mary Stewart Masterson that I thought of Leah Thompson. Yeah. And then because... I went, wait a second. Because of, of, were they both in that movie together uh, about sex, casual sex, or whatever it's called? No, no, the um, uh, some kind of wonderful. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. 
Um, yeah. God damn, that's a good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> now, now recast that one. That's difficult. Um, so uh, this movie came into your life. You were aware of it. How come you mm-hmm. never saw it before? If I may um, I think there was a point. I think you remember there was a point where I was just kind of not really interested in Tarantino stuff there for a bit where I was just kind of staying away because I was just I don't, I don't remember what it was that I think it might have been Django or something that just kind of I was like I'm really not caring for this right now any of this type of so I stayed away for a bit yeah <clears throat> I wasn't yeah I wasn't well, happy with Django so and also part of you well like you said in Django at that opening scene you're there with mm-hmm. your wife in the theater they blow a horse's head off and you're yeah. like what the fuck and you know fucking got my guy in it from beverly hills cop they're bonds man anyway (laughs) so uh colleen and i my wife and i had went and saw django christmas when it came out um i usually go um i think i talked about it i regret that i went and saw kill bill one without chip then kill bill two came out before Kill Bill 2, Chip was like, how the fuck could you go see this movie without me? Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So Kill Bill 2, we both went together and saw Kill Bill 2, and it was awesome. Um, the uh, But for this, Colleen and I, I was like, I was like it's going to be in a roadshow attraction like they used to do with like El Cid and Giant and all these big movies and maybe Bridge on a River Kwai. They'd bring these movies for 70 millimeter. They'd show them on a special projector. It would have, you know, it would have just be a big thing. You'd get a, a program with it, all kinds of stuff. So if you look through my Instagram, you'll find me looking at the, you know, the program that we got. And each program had a different picture in the middle. Mm-hmm. So we opened ours up and because it came out of the same box, I think it was all John Ruth was the centerfold. He's not naked. Oh. He's got clothes on. Chip got excited. Damn um, it. So it was, uh, so it was that. And then, um, so anyway, it was really cool. Cause it had, it had an overture in the beginning and then it went to the movie. Then there was an intermission right after the, the killing of the general, it goes to intermission and you're like, fuck. And then you go <laughs> pee or me and me and Colleen are like, holy shit. And the, the was place, that, when I don't it know. came back when it came back after the intermission, was that where, uh, it did Quentin's Tarantino's talking. Yeah. So he's, narration. Saying, okay. he's saying this is about five minutes later or 15 minutes later. Yeah, they're bringing minutes. out the body. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when we watch this, so that I don't know if they made the theater cold or if it just felt cold because we're watching this movie. But I'm like at yeah. the intermission, I'm like, I'm kind of cold. She's like, yeah, me too. But it was really cool. And then intermission played some cool music a little bit. And then went into, you know, the movie and then, you know, but it was really cool, special thing where, mm. you know, Joe and I had that too, when there was a movie called Grindhouse that came out, which was Robert Rodriguez did Planet Terror mm. and Quentin did Death Proof. I still haven't watched those either. I know I'm tempted to, instead of the Nick Cage thing of doing that, so we could both sit and watch them together because they're so <laughs> much fun. Um, but anyway, they did that. And Joe and I went and saw that and grindhouse didn't last very long. It didn't do very well. Like they thought it would, but it was really cool. And Joe and I were able to be like, Hey, we saw that together, you know, in the, whatever year that was 2010. And 
um and now they've released them on a double disc you know where you can just watch the whole thing like we did yeah but anyway very cool so are you ready to get to some listener opinions yes well you gotta have an opinion well opinions are like assholes everybody has one i hated 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 this movie yeah well you know that's just like uh your opinion man i like it opinions vary Tim Martin from Lighting Up the Marquee wrote, while the film has an incredible cast and always love seeing Tarantino tackle a Western, this is probably my least favorite Tarantino film, tied with Death Proof. The Ennio Marcone, Marconi, uh, however you want to say it, this is what I'm saying. <laughs> Ennio Marcone is haunting and suspenseful. The atmosphere is tense, so he does the music uh, tense, and the one location leads to high-stakes suspense. But as a writer, this film is definitely one where I just see the script on screen as the actors act it out. Even though it's my least favorite Tarantino flick, still not a bad film. So I can see that, but I'm wondering if it's the thing of, you know, that it was released, that it got released, and then you know that they acted that out on a play. And so you see it as a play. You know what I mean? Like if yeah. you're seeing it that way. Um, but I totally get what he's saying. Movie Chatter Podcast wrote, fantastic film, exclamation point. Love that it is so long, but would also like to see it cut down under 90 minutes. But it would be fantastic. Mm -hmm. So, which is true. When I thought about this, you could almost take the whole Jody scene out, but it's yeah. so good in, mm -hmm. you know. Um, yeah, it needs to be there. But um, what I was going to say was that... Uh, as far as is it you know the script and everything like that mm -hmm. it's not as bad for like there it, nothing i don't think can come as close to chasing amy for me where it's basically that was people just almost like right it felt like if you watch chasing amy now like i, I think the first time i watched it i thought it was decent good whatever yeah. but when i when i watched it recent you past, can see it just yeah yeah the acting of it yeah it was almost as bad as like snl reading a script right in front of you kind of yeah. a feel like that's how bad it was so yeah so as yeah, far as um there being caricature like the people portraying their characters i believe they did extremely well in this movie yeah yeah i i believe so too um i I had that with uh, I watched Chasing Amy uh, again, like years ago, and our friend Kelly wrote me and was like, you like that movie? Like, it was horrible. The acting's bad. And I'm like, and I thought about it. I'm like, yeah, you are right. Like, it is like kind of boom, boom, boom. Um, Brant Dodson wrote, Hateful Eight often gets scorned by a lot of people, but I think it's one of Tarantino's best. I enjoy the minimalist approach and the limited settings. Almost everything plays out in one room and it plays out well. Maybe some find it boring, but I find it riveting and suspenseful. Loved every minute of it. And I've, and I've even seen the extended supercut on Netflix. I highly recommend five hearts. So that's all of our listener opinions. <clears throat> you ready to discuss this thing, Chip? Yes, I am. All right. And Chip had never seen this movie before this viewing. So. So I was almost like, you should watch the extended cut because that's what mm -hmm. I saw in the theater. But then I'm like, no, let's stick with what everybody's seen. Um, mm -hmm. But anyway, in 1877, bounty hunter and Civil War veteran Major Marcus Warren is heading to Red Rock, Wyoming, 
with three bounty corpses. His horse gives out and faced with an incoming blizzard, Warren hitches a ride on a stagecoach driven by OB. The other passengers are bounty hunter John Ruth, handcuffed to fugitive Daisy Domergoo, who he has taken to Red Rock to be hanged. Despite his suspicions of Warren, Ruth is swayed by Warren's personal letter from Abraham Lincoln. They come across lost causer Chris Mannix. He's just screaming out there, help, help. <laughs> and like, what are the odds that two of you are fucking lost? Well, being <laughs> as I'm one of the ones that are lost, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Um, who identifies himself as Red Rock's new sheriff. Confident that a racist former Confederate militiaman such as Mannix and an African-American Union veteran such as Warren would ever conspire to take his bounty, Ruth strikes a mutual protection deal with Warren and allows Mannix aboard. So this thing, of course, when it starts, he's like, how much are your guys worth? He's like, well, this guy's worth one. This guy's worth two. This guy's worth three. Like it adds up to eight. And he's like, you know, she's worth 10. So he's like, you're not going to take mine. I won't take yours. We're good. That's our deal. He's like, okay. He said, I didn't even know who she was. But when you told me your name, I'm like, oh, shit. Um, during the trip, uh, Ruth learns that Mannix, Domergoo, and Warren. Uh, uh, hmm? uh, Ruth learns from Mannix, Domergoo, and Warren about the hefty Confederate bounty placed on Warren for breaking out of and setting fire to a prisoner war camp in West Virginia. So now all of a sudden you're like, I thought I liked this guy, but he fucking killed his men and bad men. And, you know, mm -hmm. just but to get out. Yep. I just thought of, he's almost like the Mr. Blonde of this movie. Cause if they wouldn't yeah. have done what I told them not to do, <laughs> they wouldn't. Yeah. Like, Oh shit. Um, <laughs> you forget your your french fries with your milkshake no i already had it anyway uh the travelers seek refuge from the blizzard at minnie's haberdashery lodge getting them greeting them is bob a mexican who says minnie is, is away and left him in charge other lodgers are red rocks hangman oswaldo mobry cowboy joe gage and confederate general general sanford smithers traveling to erect a cenotaph for his disappeared son suspicious ruth disarms all but warren uh, all but warren manix surmises and warren concedes that the lincoln letter is false so now it kind of jumps ahead yeah but that part too is good where you don't hear the lincoln letter till the end yeah but uh and i may put it here at the end of our uh of our show um but it makes you go like, fuck, like, yeah, it's real. And then when he's like, no, it's not real. You're like, oh, shit. <laughs> yep. And Mannix explains it like you believe that this guy who's wanted granted, he was a war hero, but now he's wanted that the president is going to write him a letter. And that's when John <laughs> Ruth starts going, well, I don't know. And he's like, yeah, I fucking lied. And John Ruth's like so fucking pissed. And you feel bad for him. When I first saw that, I felt so like. I thought they were friends and you can see like that lie broke it like right there. Yeah. Well, and, and because on the coach on the way there, when he was let him read it again, he yeah. was getting all teary eyed and he was getting, you know, yeah. and that's exactly what he wanted. He, he yeah. wanted anybody that read it to, to yeah. believe it. And because of the fact that that president is now dead, Yep. <laughs> it's, it's almost meta 
where yeah. Quentin is writing the movie, but he's also writing the letter to make people go, oh, that letter, like at the end, like that adds a little authenticity to it. Like Mary Todd's mm-hmm. calling. I got to go like, oh, yeah. um, Warren responds to Ruth's disappointment by saying his forged letter buys him leeway with whites. So he he's like, you wouldn't let me on the stagecoach, right? And he's like, it's like, yeah, I guess you're right. Like, you know, fucking <laughs> still hate you. Uh, Warren leaves a gun next to Smithers. So this jumps ahead again. So now he's talking to General Smithers. He brings him his stew. So already Warren is questioning stuff. He gets to the, put the horses away. And the guy's like, I'll get to the horses. You know, I'll do it myself. And he's like, no, I offered to help you with stable work. And you're going to turn me down. And he's like, okay. And I'm like, I'm thinking that's because he doesn't give a shit about these horses. They're just there for Domergue. And then later when he walks in, he looks at the chair for a second and sees that sweet Dave, you know, didn't take his chair. Like it's a special Mm -hmm. chair. And, and then when Chris Mannix is like, you want some stew, you want some stew, you want some stew in general, he asked him like 50,000 times and general's like, shut the fuck up. (laughs) <laughs> and then finally Warren comes over and goes, can we sit? Can two men who died on the battlefield? You're not going to, you know, forgive me that, are you? And he's like, no, go ahead. And then they're talking. And then that's when, you know, he starts. He he knows like it's a whole game with Warren. He's like, mm-hmm. he's like, now I'm going to fuck with him. And I'm hoping Chris Mannix is learning from all this. Well, it wouldn't matter, but yeah. he's learning from all this detective work. Like, that's a sheriff I need to be. I need to put these things together. <laughs> um. So uh, so then Warren puts a gun down next to the general and he's provoking him. And Chris Mannix mm-hmm. is like, he's just provoking you, general. Don't do it. And now the thing here, do you believe that's a true story or do you believe that Warren was lying just to. Oh, he was lying. Yeah, was yeah, lying. Yeah, 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 straight up. But but because also, they, if you notice the way they show it is they show. They show the general his eyes and then it mm-hmm. kind of goes up. The camera goes up and then you see almost like in his thought bubble of yeah. him with the naked son. Yeah. What yep. were you going to say? Sorry. That's what I was going to say is that it's pretty much like they they're showing you what he's seeing in his head because yeah. he's being so graphic of explaining it to him to get him riled up enough yeah. to grab for that gun to give him any excuse. Yeah. And um. <clears throat> The uh, he provokes him by claiming that years earlier he had ambushed, raped, and murdered Smithers' son, who had come to Wyoming to claim the Confederate bounty on Warren. So, and that's what else Warren says earlier like, yeah, men have come and gone, but I've killed them all. You know, they when they see me, it changes. Um, when Smithers reaches for the gun, Warren shoots him dead in revenge for executing black prisoners of war at the Battle of Baton Rouge. So at the same time, so then it comes back. Here's what happened while you were gone. At the same time, Daisy witnesses someone poisoning the coffee. (laughs) So, and then you see her and then it just goes on to, you know, explaining like, here's what happened while this was going on and something here. I don't know if you read this or if you knew it was a big thing at the time, the guitar Lee used on set was a $40,000 antique commissioned by the Martin guitar museum. Six replicas were created for the scene in which Ruth smashes the guitar to pieces. However, Kurt Russell was unaware of the entire situation and smashed the real guitar during the first take. Lee's reaction is natural. 
Martin Guitar oh. Museum has since refused to loan guitars to film productions. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was awesome. so that was a big thing where I'm like, how did nobody be like, now that's an antique, but I guess, but that's something also where these two actors can be like, I'm just going to go off. Like, you know, I might slap you. I might hit you. I might yank or do this. And they just go, okay, go with it. It's like you and I said, like fucking David Kelly be beat the fuck up by Nick Nolte. I still can't forget it. Like he's being pushed into that fucking counter to be arrested. You're like, Jesus Christ. No wonder bad guys hate cops. Yes. (laughs) Go ahead. So one of the coolest things, like my, my big irritation with movies, a lot of times is editing. Like when something's just off or like the next shot is like, you can see something's wrong. They're not on the wrong side of somebody, whatever. But the coolest thing is the moment that they, that person is pouring the poison into the coffee. They're wearing black gloves. Everybody that he suspects is wearing black gloves. So there's no way for you to go. I know who it is. Yeah. Yeah, Cause you're like, cause you see uh, the Mexican pull off his, pull off his gloves, but then he puts them back on after he's done playing, playing piano. So you're like, oh, shit. And then, yeah, Joe Gage and all them. Ruth and OB drink it and die. But Ruth lives long enough to attack Daisy, (laughs) who then shoots him with his own gun. So what did you think of this whole thing? Like working up to this? Were you like, I know I was excited when I saw it. Now when I see it, you know, I mean, even though the vomiting is like funny and comical, Mm -hmm. it's supposed to be over the top, just like blowing people's heads off. Um, Well, I thought it was uh, cool mm-hmm. because I was expecting because of the poison thing. I was just expecting a stupid. Oh right. You know, yeah. yeah. But then when it starts happening, where it's vomiting profusely of blood, just nothing but blood, yeah. then you go, "Okay, this is a Tarantino film." What yeah. the fuck was I thinking? <laughs> yeah. Um, but the other part of it too was this is my only problem at this point knowing. Mm-hmm. That when they explain later on that there's a extra gun underneath the table uh-huh. and stuff like that is that the moment anybody's freaking out about the throwing up right. they should have taken that moment yeah. to just grab the gun and start shooting anybody that was not part of the game yeah yep it should have been done over with everybody die yeah everything done because they're so focusing on this throwing up and this like holy fuck yeah that is they that could have the- just boom 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 like is that was, dave dave from movie chatter podcast is that the hour and a half movie that he wants <laughs> is it with that end right there yep um yeah and then them right after the sunset yep. um well because the the hatch to the bottom could have opened up right yeah yeah man with two guns is like yeah. why the fuck when this whole situation starts happening you hear people go and just like yeah. dying yeah right there yeah. why not just finish it yeah well, and I wonder if because he rewrote this when he decided, like, OK, I'm going to rewrite a little bit and then mm-hmm. we'll make a movie out of it. I wonder if he had something like that. But also in the theater, when you're seeing this and they start throwing up, you're laughing like it's yeah. hysterical. Like you're laughing. Same thing with when she spits on the Lincoln letter and he slaps her and she falls out and pulls him with her. And he's like, yeah, I was laughing my ass off on that one. But uh, <laughs> Warren disarms Domergu leaving her shackled to Ruth and holds the others at gunpoint. He's joined by Mannix, whom Warren trusts because he nearly drank the poison coffee. And then, and I like how later when Mannix is like, 
but you were going to let me drink, you know, you're thinking maybe he's going to go for it. He's like, but you were going to let me drink the coffee and not say shit. And you know that if they would have made that deal, he's dead right away. Yep. Like they're not going to fucking, they don't give a shit. Examining the evidence and revealing Minnie's hatred of Mexicans, which is kind of funny. He's like, she used to have a sign up, said no Mexicans, no dogs. You know what happened? She met a dog that she liked. <laughs> and you're like, whoa. Yep. Warren deduces that, but although when you watch him come in, she doesn't say anything to him, but she takes sign down. So I guess she's okay with Mexicans and dogs because she doesn't say like, Hey, get that guy out of here. You know, yeah. um, Warren deduces that Bob had been lying and thus had a part in the owner's deaths. And that's when he's pulling the things off slowly. And mm -hmm. he's like, this is Dave's chair. And he's like, yep. Just as I, and Maddox is like, what is it? You know, it's almost like, when you come to writing, it's almost that thing of it's uh, uh, Amanda Plummer being like, what is it? And he's like, <laughs> nothing. And, you know, what's in the case? Um, uh, Warren did his Bob at Ben Lyon promptly, uh, promptly executes him when Warren threatened. And that's where he blows his head off. His head just explodes. <laughs> you like, with both that was guns. crazy. You're like, holy shit. Um, when Warren threatens to kill Daisy, Gage admits he poisoned the coffee. And I love Maddox. I fucking knew it. I say we should kill the ugliest motherfucker here because that'd be you, motherfucker. You're like, whoa. Engage him as poison. An unknown man hiding under the floorboard shoots through them, hitting Warren in the groin. Mowbray draws a hidden gun and shoots Maddox, who returns fire, wounding Mowbray. Now, a flashback shows Bob, Bob Mowbray, Gage, and Daisy's brother Jody arriving at the lodge hours earlier. So that was like, so did you see my man, Matt Houston? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yep. boy. Mm -hmm. um, and Zoe Bell, who I fucking love. That's why I love her. Whenever she's in a Tarantino, she's just so bubbly and happy. Yeah, just, just bouncing makes her, around and yeah. skipping. And yeah. yeah. And she's like, and there's really good coffee in here. Come on and join me. And you're like, <laughs> whoa. Um, and and then how Joe Gage is like, you want a peppermint stick? And she's like, yeah. And like and and also before when when Warren first shows up, he kind of looks down and sees the uh, what's that called? The not a jelly bean, jelly bean, sees a jelly bean on the ground and looks up and there's no glass for the jelly bean. And he's mm -hmm. like, he's like, oh, OK. And and like he deduces too, like it's been six months or six weeks since I've been here. But I do know that that is her stew. And so she must have cooked it. She didn't leave, you know, mm -hmm. and all that. Um, so then they murder Minnie and five others, leaving only Smithers. And then uh, gang leader Jody tells Smithers, the general, they plan to rescue Domergu and will spare him if he keeps quiet. So he's like, I don't give a shit about you. I just barely met this guy. What the fuck do I know? <laughs> You're like, wow, you grumpy old bastard. Yeah, I love uh, it that it was like, he was like, that's the right answer. Yeah. Good answer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did that surprise you with, I mean, it probably didn't because so I'm watching it. I'm watching it for this time. And so when, when we do recast it, I send Chip who we're recasting and I try to send him like, here's the actress playing it so that it's easier for you to know if it's a newer movie. But then when I first sent it to him, it had like Joe Gage, Groucho, blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, and I sent it and then I delete. I don't know if you noticed, I deleted that text and redid it. 
because I didn't want you to well, see. I got both were... of the texts. Oh, okay. Because I deleted it. I thought that it went away on your end. I was like, I don't want him to see that mm-hmm. it's Joe Gage Groucho and that it's also Oswaldo and Pete Hickox. Like, I didn't want you to see that, but I guess it was too late. And then I'm thinking, like, I don't want him to look into who starts because if he goes down far enough, he's going to see. Um, what's a guy's name? The guy from Magic Mike. He's oh, going to see Channing, Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum. He's going to see Channing Tatum in there and he's going to be like, what the fuck? And then I'm like, okay, he won't because it's buried deep on IMDb until the almost. Uh, the oh, you did. But then when I'm starting to watch it, it says all these people. I'm like, cool. And this is and Channing Tatum. And I'm like, fuck, he's going to yep. see that motherfucker. Yeah, because his name was at the end of the, the co-starring. Yeah. And um, so anyway, so uh, excuse me, uh, they just dis- they dispose of the bodies and hide the evidence. As Ruth's stagecoach arrives, Jody hides in the cellar. So that black guy like goes to run and hide and Joe mm-hmm. Gage just walks over there and gives him both barrels. Like my wife's like the shitter's full. I'm like, you know, from Christmas vacation. I'm like, no, honey, that's just a storage area. But <laughs> funny joke <clears throat> in the present Mannix and Warren, both seriously wounded, hold Daisy Gage and Mowbray at gunpoint. When they threaten to kill Daisy, Jody surrenders much to her horror. He is executed by Warren in retribution for the groin shot. So how did that hit you? Did you know something's going to happen? Was coming. Yeah. I was expecting it. Um, I wasn't expecting such a, such a bloody... shot of his <laughs> face as it, his head yeah. explodes. I yeah. thought it was going to be just kind of like you hear a shot and you see her get covered. Yeah. But you see all of it. And well, I was like, holy shit. And we forgot when she's fighting fucking John Ruth. And he throws up again right in her mouth and on oh, her yeah. face, but she still laughs. And then when her brother gets shot, it just goes all over. And she's like, <laughs> no. Yeah. He's like, how you doing, stupid? She's like, better now. <laughs> Boom. Like, oh, yeah. um, or- originally, Jody was to be shot once in the arm by Chris Mannix and once in the back by Warren before falling back into the basement. Rather than bleeding to death, Jody was to be eaten alive by a horde of rats taking shelter from the blizzard in the basement. Uh, The gang's true identities are revealed and they offer Mannix a deal. So that's where, you know, Pete Hickox is like, hey, look, I'm worth like 10 or 12. He's Mm -hmm. like, you can go ahead. And uh, and Joe Gage is worth 15. And no, they're like, Bob's worth 15. Don't yeah. they? And then they're like, his face is Warren's like his face is fucking gone. Good luck collecting. <laughs> yeah. <His laughs> they, <whole head> is. <laughs> and they claim 15 of Jody's men are waiting in Red Rock <clears throat> in case the rescue at Minis fails. If Mannix kills Warren, they will spare him and allow him to collect the bounty on the mortally wounded Mowbray. So this is the part where you're like, don't go for the deal, Mannix. Don't do it. But he's like, hang on. And he's scooting up. He's like, tell me, like, what do you? And you're like, don't fucking do it. No. And well, and at, at that point, I was sitting here going. I kind of knew that he wasn't going to take the deal. Mm-hmm. Because he's not stupid enough to pull his chair up far enough for. He just watched what's his name's head get blown the fuck up. Yeah. From Warren. And he's going to pull his chair up to where he's right in front of him so i could do the same thing to him if he takes the deal <laughs> you right. know it's yeah. kind of like he's gonna shoot you he knows he's dying so. yeah 
Um, Warren shoots and kills Mowbray. Is that yeah? Um, Gage draws a revolver, but is shot dead by both Mannix and Warren. Warren tries to shoot Daisy, but is out of bullets. He asks Mannix for his gun, but Mannix refuses, giving Daisy more time to elaborate on her deal. She does, but her pitch fails to convince Mannix. And that's where he's like, you were going to let me fucking drink the coffee. Who does not believe her claims and threats while berating Daisy for trying to outsmart him. Mannix faints from blood loss. So that's (laughs) where you're like, oh, shit. But also when they first got shot and he's standing there and he's like, how you doing? Warren's like, oh, my I'm fucking cold and hot at the same time. And my fucking balls, he shot me in the balls. And then he's like, how are you? He's like, well, you know, I, if I put all my weight on the shut the fuck up, I wasn't I don't give a shit about you. <laughs> yeah, um, I love that he gives him his whole thing. But then when he asks him and he starts telling him, yeah. he's like, I really don't care. I don't <laughs> give a shit. Yeah. While Warren watches helplessly after Mannix faints, Daisy frees herself by hacking off Ruth's arm. When she goes for a gun, Mannix regains consciousness and shoots her. As Mannix aims for the killing shot, Warren persuades him to hang her in honor of John Ruth, who was known as the hangman for always bringing his bounties in alive to the gallows. The two wounded men succeed in stringing Daisy from the rafters. Afterwards, as they lie dying, Mannix reads aloud Warren's Lincoln letter, complimenting his attention to detail. The end. So Um, the thing that I was kind of about mm-hmm. it was kind of cool but kind of like eh, is the fact that when they're in the coach in the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. he basically i know who you are you're the hangman and da, 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 and says the whole line then at the end we gotta hang her in honor of the hangman because you yeah, know and he, and he said the exact same hang. line and i was like okay <laughs> It well, was like, yeah, that was cool, but kind of cheesy at the same time. Well, it was right. It was John Ruth saying it. But also you think if like years ago, a friend of mine said, and I know that this was a lie now, but at the time I was like, wow, that's cool. He was like, all these guys were picking on me in high school. Mm-hmm. He goes, and we're in the middle of class and they're fucking picking on me. And he goes, and I turn around to him and I go all at once or one at a time. And they fucking shut up. And I'm like, holy shit, that fucking badass. I always remember that. Mm-hmm. So if John Ruth tells you something like a bitch got to hang, a hang, you got to do whatever he says. You're yeah. like, that's a good line. I got to remember that. And then when it comes to the end, you go. But also you wouldn't say it verbatim. You might fuck it up and be like, maybe it was this way. But yeah, yeah. I hear you. Um, interestingly enough, the music for Hateful Eight isn't wholly original. In fact, due to time constraints, Maraconi couldn't do a full score, so he incorporated some of his unreleased work from the thing. So if oh, you wow. notice, it's kind of got that doom 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 doom. It's got a little bit of uh John Carpenter feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Tarantino really fell hard for the Western genre, but believes you have to do at least three of them to really be considered a Western director, like John Ford or Howard Hawks. Django Unchained was the first, Hateful Eight will be the second. But Tarantino has said numerous times that he'd like to stay in the film style for one more film. Sweet. Um, Tarantino has often teased he'd like that last film to be an adaptation of literary legend Elmore Leonard's 40 Lashes Less One. So now I got to read this book, right? 
But that story yeah. about a reluctant reliance between an African-American and a Native American in a humor prison could actually end up as a TV movie or miniseries. Mm-hmm. So like he loves Elmore Leonard. He did Jackie Brown. Yeah. The book that he stole when he ro- stole from a store when he was young was um, uh, I forget. They remade it with Jennifer. What's her name from Friends? She was in an Elmore Leonard movie. But anyway, um, so, yeah, he likes him. Um, so reviews here. I don't think he'll do another Western. I think I've been trying to think of this. Like yeah. how what is his last 10th film going to be? Everybody's trying to think of it. He says he won't know till he feels it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's difficult. Like, do you do a full on another genre picture, twist a genre? Do you do a regular kind of, you know, like we've said once upon a time in Hollywood, he's excelled as a filmmaker in yeah. a way every step. As long as he doesn't do an eyes wide shut before he fucking dies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, what? Oh, well, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, even AI, like he, um, Kubrick was going to do AI, but then he died and Spielberg took over all of his notes and everything and did it for him. AI was good, but also not great. Like at the time, you're like, ah, oh, that's amazing. But now you're yeah. like, ah. Oh. Anyway, reviews, Chip. Rotten Tomatoes critical consensus reads, quote, the Hateful Eight offers another well-aimed round from Quentin Tarantino's signature blend of action, humor, and over-the-top violence, all while demonstrating an even stronger grip on his filmmaking craft. So I give this movie four and a half cellular hearts. Um, it is difficult. But anyway, what do you give it? And then we'll discuss. I give it five. Okay. Because it's, for me. Yeah it rekindled that it's basically as far as I was concerned, by the time I was done with it, mm-hmm. it had everything that I needed and it was a Western uh, reservoir dogs for me. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, it was very well done. There was nothing that pulled like really pulled you out yeah. to make you not feel like it was a Western. Yeah. Sometimes when people try and do Westerns, there's just two, I don't know. There's something about it that feels too Hollywood or too, it's hard right. to explain, but with this, yeah. it was just, it felt right. It felt. No, I, I get that. Um, a movie that I saw recently was death on the Nile. Mm-hmm. It does not feel like 1939 mm-hmm. and it feels like it was filmed in a studio and CGI was put all around it. It does yeah. not feel real. And so I'm like, look, I like the other one. The other one is good. Murder on the Orient Express. Mm-hmm. This one, I was just like, oh, my God. Like, you know, I, it was, you know, I gave it three hearts. I was like, OK, you know, when it was done. But yes, I, that's the thing. Like the Western stuff, like all the characters. Mm-hmm. When I rewatched all these movies again recently before Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, that was where I kind of really was like, is i think i gave django five and yeah. i give this four and a half i know you don't like django but maybe if you rewatched it you'd get more out of it i love the scene in django where leonardo is talking about the guy that they just caught that ran from the place and they're mm-hmm. gonna they're gonna sick the dogs on him yeah and uh and uh jamie fox has to stand there and take it and act like he's fine with it but you can see in his acting and you can see in Leonardo's like, I'm pushing this is what we're doing. And yeah. Jamie Foxx just being like a fucking. So that part's really cool. But anyway, 
So I gave that five. And then like in Glorious Bastards, I was like, is this as bad or as I remember, as good as I remember? And I think I gave it maybe four and a half or less. Anyway, you can check my uh, letterboxd account and find out. Well, and the, the coolest thing about it was that it, it it made me feel like I did when, you know, when I saw Reservoir Dogs and how I was just like, holy crap, you know. Yeah. But yeah. But the coolest part about it is that you have the Reservoir Dogs. But then you have the rewind of, okay, this is what happened when the gang came in. Yeah. Who they really are. And that made me think Kill Bill. Yeah. Yeah. Of yeah. the, of the, yeah. the crew. Kill, and Kill um, Bill too, when they show them coming yeah. to the church. Yeah. yeah. And it was just like, I don't know. It was just, it was like some of the best parts. Yeah. You know, that like this, like saying that he, you know, he's honing his craft. Yeah. He's taking what he's learned from all of his other movies and going, okay, and this is how I'm going to, form this and make it yeah. to where it's it's kind of that same feeling where you do get to see um the development of it when it does the like hey this is what happened before four hours ago whatever um that's almost seeing the the diner scene yeah you know seeing the shootout that's happened when they're trying to get to the to the um hideout yeah you know uh it, it's kind of that kind of a situation but everything's still mainly you know all this yeah, stuff was happening time yeah, yeah yeah the big chunk of it was that certain time and then the other little bit is 40 minutes before and yeah and just um no and i may have to rethink my uh voting but i think four and a half i think i'm gonna stick with that but but i get what you're saying that totally is true and like we said, and then, you know, he knocks it out of the park, even though a lot of people didn't get what they thought out of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, because they thought they get over the top violence you get at the end. But they thought, I'm going to get this. I'm going to get this weird comedy. I'm going to get them talking about shit. But no, it was just a movie. Yeah. And you watch it and you don't put it in a Tarantino box. You kind of just open up that box and let it breathe and be like, this is a good movie. Yep. So, yeah. Um. My film favorite of the week, Chip. I haven't watched much this week, so I'm going to have to say The Adam Project. I just watched this morning, mm -hmm. um, but it was good. I had heard from Movie Chatter Podcast. They were like, they're a little bit older than me, maybe seven or nine years older than me. They mm -hmm. said that uh, they felt it was for like young kids, 13-year-olds, yeah. which I get. Which is, But to me, it, it did have that feeling, like they said, like E.T. or like Explorers or like any of these kid movies mm -hmm. that just made you like oh cool if i'm a kid i'm gonna love it like where he's like is that a lightsaber he's like no it's not just shut up and then later he's like that's a lightsaber dude <laughs> and he's like and um and then also that kid being ryan Re like he got that comedy down yeah like yeah, perfect awesome. like yeah and i like how he was like he's like i like your what was it goatee what did he call the goatee the uh, oh, mullet for uh, your mouth fake, i like the yeah, mullet yeah. for your mouth and the guy's <laughs> like i've never heard of it said that way but okay and he's like yeah. got it from the older self but yeah, yeah. um so yeah um, it was it was fun i liked it and it and yeah. it was heartwarming it almost made me cry because of the the father thing because of the mother where he's like he's like you don't realize like your mom is suffering from your dad's death but she plays yeah. it off and then when he tells her too, like he's teary eyed when he's telling her. So that's the thing where they they crafted this movie so well, where they're like, we can't play it. Just that's the thing. Sometimes people play it too goofy or not mm -hmm. as serious and it doesn't work. But when you play it serious, 
then it works. So you got Jennifer Garner and, you know, Ryan Reynolds doing that scene. That was a great scene. Like, you know, he's telling her, like, you need to show your son that you're hurting as well. Yeah. It's OK. You don't need to be strong. He thinks you're OK, but you're not. And then later at the end, when he's like hugs her and she goes, oh, I thought it was being robbed. And then. They <laughs> yeah, uh, that was cool. Yeah. Um, but um, I, I liked it. I gave it uh, three and a half. I almost gave it four, but I gave it three and a half. Yeah, the uh, it it was it was an obvious like Netflix kind of a thing. Just yeah. throw it on Netflix. Yeah. Be better than Red Notice. But yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But um, but he did say it was his passion project, mm -hmm. so it's something he really wanted to do. Um, yeah. But I also, I think I was too locked into the idea mm -hmm. that all that we were seeing was in his head in the boy's head oh yeah that because of uh the father's death and all that leading in right so when you it, were watching it you were thinking this is all going to be an imaginary yeah yeah that, that in the end he's going to wake up and it was all a dream yeah. yeah yeah from him playing the video game and all that yeah 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 i can see mm -hmm. that yeah yeah, that's yeah that he just made these conclusions through either a dream or that it was um kind of a cloak and dagger type of situation talking to somebody that's not there yeah yeah kind of a situation um it, it had i was just gonna say it had some of my favorite things that i love in movies that you and i've talked about we were gonna write a, a comic book about it which i saw as a movie in my head um but when he's being beat up by all those guys and all of a sudden mm. you hear the music kick in and you see mm. from between the trees, like far away, here comes fucking, um, uh, what's her name? Uh, I can't think of her name. I had it on the tip of my tongue. Um, anyway, the black actress coming to save him and Zoe. they're playing Zoe, uh, Zoe Sardana, Saldana, and yeah. she's coming running and you're like, awesome. And same thing with when, you know, in the beginning when he's flying the ship and they're playing this music and you're like, awesome. And it's just way. Yeah, it made me think of uh, Flight of the Navigator. Um, yes, I need to rewatch that. I need to also rewatch that movie that Chip told me, Harry and the Hendersons, mm -hmm. um, and watch it as a child. That's the thing. I watched these movies. I was watching a thing. Um, Brant was like, what are you doing? And I said, I'm watching a thing. I think I told you too. It's called Supercar from the 60s 1962 called supercar it was a tv show done by marionettes like the thunderbirds mm. it's before he did thunderbirds you know he created this marionette acting style thing that you could do yeah which from what i heard from uh team america time consuming and very <laughs> difficult so like yeah. now you're doing a weekly show with marionettes that you're acting out like holy shit but anyway, it's a supercar. It flies, it goes to space, goes underwater, it drives normal, it's got rockets on it, it's got mapping, it's got everything. So uh, anyway. It's but no was, auto, man. That's right. Oh, don't get me started, Chip. I want to, <laughs> but this works into what we're working on. So coming up is going to be epic. I'm going to tell you about that in a minute. It's going to be a little mm -hmm. side thing that we do, just epic movies of like mm -hmm. movies with either, they're like, kind of like this one was three hours long like a three hour long movie with an intermission with all that we're doing these epic films like Lawrence of Arabia and stuff. But what got me on that also another one that I want to work on is TV. Like mm -hmm. it'll either be called um, 
my TV tube. I don't know my <laughs> my boob tube heart. I don't know. Um, but it would be a thing of like V the miniseries when, when V the miniseries first came oh, out. Yeah, that was fucking amazing <laughs> and blew you blew you out of the water. You're like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. And Auto Man just watching it just to watch it with somebody to be like, do you remember this? Like, you don't have to watch the whole series, but let's watch one and kind of make fun of it or whatever. Yeah. Um, same thing you and I've said. I found the pilot episode of The Master on YouTube. Sweet. So it's like, you know, that stuff. But um, anyway, but we will be back Adventures in April. Matthew Starr. What is that one? I don't know if I know. I've heard of that. The Adventures of Matthew Starr was like the first thing that Luke Gossett Jr. was introduced to me in. He was... He was the protector, the watcher over the prince from another planet or something. And it was live action? Yep. Wow. Well, that's the other thing where, not to get off on a tangent, but here we go. Not too big of a tangent. Um, John John Carter of Mars, Mm -hmm. they did a bunch of those books. And they're very clever. The idea is Mm -hmm. in the Old West, this guy gets sucked to the planet Mars where everything's futuristic. So he's out of his time. Mm. But then also he's fighting things and all that. So they spent a lot of money doing this movie. It didn't do good, mm-hmm. but they've done like five or seven of those books that that guy wrote. And you're like, yeah. Oh shit. Like those would be cool to follow that guy's journey. But you know, sometimes things don't hit where you think like, Oh, Lord of the Rings, like all these things will hit. No, they won't. Well, maybe they should be smart about it and turn around and do an HBO max series of those books or something the other tv thing is tales of the gold monkey so Ah, i fucking love that but anyway we will be back for i'm rick dalton it's my pleasure mr schwartz call me marvin put it there that's your son no it's my stunt double cliff booth last night we watched a rick dalton double feature (laughs) all the shooting I love that stuff, you know, with the killing. A lot of killing. Anybody order fried sauerkraut? Fry you Nazi bastards! (laughs) Seems this world got you down. You're feeling bad vibration. Are you an actor? No, I'm a stuntman. Oh, you still the wreck, huh? Still here. You can do anything you want to him. I hired you to be an actor, Rick. Not a TV cowboy. You're better than that. Line. Cut! Embarrass yourself like that in front of all those goddamn people. All right, what's the matter, partner? It's official, old buddy. Has been on August night and the leaves hanging down and the grass on the ground. Here I am, flat on my ass. Who, who I got living next door to me? I'm Sharon Tate. I'm in the movie. You're in this? That's me. I play Miss Carlson, the klutz. Charlie's gonna dig you. And that gospel group.
can all change like that. Hey! You're Rick fucking Dalton. Don't you forget it. Oh, what do you what do you have to say? We're signing off here. Certain movies stick with you, stay in your head and heart forever. So from all of us at My Cellular Heart, keep watching movies. Watch the movie. It's a good movie. Just be prepared for the N-word all over the damn place because it's a Tarantino movie. That's sometimes where you think, like, did he do that? Is he pushing the boundaries? Like, I understand his he considers him his stepdad was a black man. Yeah. Who took yeah. him to all these black exploitation movies, all this stuff, and his friends would talk that way when they were hanging out with yeah. them at the bar or whatever. So I get that, but I kind of almost go with uh, Spike Lee going, "Do you really need it?" <laughs> you know, yeah. but you know, but it works in this movie. It makes you laugh mm. because she, he's like, "Oh, hey, you're Marshall Warren." She's like, "Howdy, nigger." You're like, "What the <laughs> fuck? Whoa, yeah, whoa." <laughs> But and that's kind of the thing. It's it's almost like a in a Tarantino movie. It's like breaking the seal, yeah, kind of a thing. That after the first yeah. one, then you're like, yeah. yeah. And being white, you cringe yeah. a little when yeah. you're like, oh, yeah. why would you yeah. say that? And then yeah. it kind of it, it, the floodgates are open, and you're like, uh, okay, <laughs> like exactly. But everybody, uh, check it out, and uh, I think I'll end the show with a Lincoln letter because uh, attention to detail. All right, okay. bye. See ya. Dear Marquess, I hope this letter finds you in good health instead. I'm doing fine, although I wish there were more hours in a day. There's just so much to do. Times are changing slowly, but surely, and it's men like you that will make a difference. Your military success is a credit, not only to you, but your race as well. I'm very proud every time I hear news of you. We still have a long way to go, but hand in hand, I know we'll get there. I just want to let you know you're in my thoughts. Hopefully, our paths will cross in the future. Until then, I remain your friend. Oh, Mary Todd's calling, so I guess it must be time for bed. Respectfully. Abraham Lincoln. Oh, Mary Todd, that's a nice touch. Yeah.